I think seed phrase is like a magical thing, right? So I think it did what it had to do, but then the question is, can the next, you know, hundred million user do seed phrase? I don't think so. You know, we can debate on it. What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of Built on Bitcoin, where we talk with the best founders building across the entire Bitcoin ecosystem. And I take a very open mind of what that entails. So today I have a great conversation with Lewis Ivan, who is the CEO and co-founder of Rider. Rider is a new kind of hardware wallet that's really rethinking a lot of these things from first principles to build a wallet that's a pleasure to use, obviously still focused on security, but is focused on adopting and bringing in the next 100 million 500 million billion users, the normal person that isn't going to, you know, hold on to a 12, 12 word, 24 four word seed phrase and make it much more easier to recover across different devices using some of the latest tech. And so they have a hardware wallet, they have an iPhone app, and they have this NFC security chip that you can use to spread out your keys and recover them in a safe way. We cover a ton. I was really interested about why you build hardware, which isn't very common in the crypto space. Everyone's doing protocols and tokens, and they decided to do the hard thing and build a new hardware wallet. So we talk about that. We talk about what Rider is, who is it's focused for, how does this recovery option work, because there is no seed phrases, and a bunch of other topics. So without further ado, let me give you this fantastic conversation with Lewis Ivan, CEO of Rider. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Lewis, how are you doing today, my man? Good, man. I'm doing, I'm doing good, actually. Busy. Uh, it seems like it. You guys have been doing a ton in the past couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I, we've we've known about each other for a while because we both kind of started in, this, in the Stacks ecosystem. And then we both kind of branched out since then and gone different paths. But uh, yeah, excited to talk. Really excited about what you guys are building with Ryder. Um, let's start with your background. I want to get to know you a little bit more. So, you know, give the people a little bit of a background of, you know, who you are and how you got into crypto slash Bitcoin. Perfect. So hi, guys. My name is Lewis. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ryder. So just a bit of background. My I spent four years of my career at Stacks were, you know, and then after that, uh, back in 2016, it's like where my crypto journey started. So just a bit of context, I think like everybody else, I started as a speculator, you know, you know about Bitcoin, <laughs> knew about Ethereum and Monero, I only knew it as magic internet money. For me, it was so hard to grasp it more than anything else. And the narrative back then was just cryptocurrency. And fast forward 2017, it became like ICO, like decentralized this, decentralized that. The top 10 in coin market cap was way different back then, right? And then for me, of course, it became like, okay, you're going to earn money of it. It's like the normal journey. You lost money. I lost money. Same thing. But then what got me hooked was I was studying my master's back then, but I specialize on green IT, but then I had a course on digital culture. So for me, I tried to understand when was the first digital community was created, you know, why did it fail? I tried to understand what's the difference between 
the platforms that was created on Web 2.0 and how can we fix it? I took a very deep dive on the economic and social aspect of technology. And for me, I uncovered that, oh, it's like walled gardens. You know, you can't really take your stuff and put it on another platform. They actually extort value from user and then it's become a capitalist kind of thing. And for me, the conclusion was always you need a shift in the technology to actually break this, right? You can turn it into the rules of majority instead of being the rules of minority. And at some point I came across the TED Talk of me. I think it was 2018. He was talking about a new internet. I was like, okay, this is the guy. You know what it's like love at first sight? I was like, yes, I want to work for this guy <laughs> and I'm just going to do whatever it takes to work for that guy. Because he had the same thesis that you as a user could actually capture value on the things that you create online and then use it. And for me, that was my thesis on what I wrote for my study. I was like, yeah, I'm going to work for this guy. Then fast forward 2018, it was called Blockstack back then and they weren't hiring. I depend the hiring process. So yeah. I was like, yeah, these guys are from Princeton. Like, I, how can I get my foot at the door? It's very tough. They're like, I, Ivy League school. Meanwhile, me, I'm still studying. You know, I did like, you know, when you're a generalist, you did a lot of things, but you never specialize on anything. Mm -hmm. That's me. You know, I work for a healthcare startup, being data analyst. I work as a business analyst and a software architecture startup. I did a lot of things. I work as a .NET developer, but I'm not the best. I'm okay. You know, but I can execute very well. I think that's like, that's like one of my best traits. So what I did was, of course, they wanted to take a look at my CV. I already know it. I sent Patrick back then, the head of growth at Blockstack, and a message. It was, they were like, on damn, just selectability. I told him, yo, Patrick, I can help you grow Blockstack. Here's a pitch deck. <laughs> I remember that exact line that he said, okay, I'm going to unwrap the onion slit. I was like, what is it? Is it a jargon for Americans or is it a metaphor? I'm kind of, I thought there's more. <laughs> so I don't really know. I just need to wait. And then it's like, yeah, we're not really hiring, you know, but like you can be a community member and contribute. And for me, I was like, I was like, yeah, you don't need to pay me. I can do anything. So I started designing posters, you know, then they're like, they really loved it. I started doing meetups. I'm just there. I think four months later to like, oh, we want to contract you. And that changed for me everything. You know, mm. my, it was my journey. And then it, I think at the beginning, it's very hard because the, the, the learning curve in crypto, you need a lot of patience for it, right? Like, for example, proof of transfer, I read it six times before I get it. I was just putting it out there. You know, it's not like you read it one bit and then you understand it. The Bitcoin blockchain, I read it so many times because it was just... Mm. You know, it's very hard to understand, right? And yeah, and then four years later, I was leading Growth at Foundation. You know, uh, I remember the days where we do meetups, there was four people, and now we're holding like conferences with like 500, 600 people in it. And then I, I thought, okay, my job is done. You know, Stacks became the number one web project on Bitcoin. I worked on Protocol L for years. Now I want to do something that I'm more passionate about. That's why we started writing. Mm. That's my story. A bit long, but Dude. yeah. So so much and that's yeah, I can definitely attest to uh your execution for one, because I remember when I first got into stacks, I was like, dude, this Lewis guy is freaking everywhere. He's like in the discords, he's doing this, he's doing that, he's on Twitter. So it's like I swear before AI was like a thing, you had like an AI agent just like floating around. But uh 
And I also remember I saw the block stack like release. They, they did like a hype reel, like a two minute video. And it was, you watch it and you're like, yeah, we do deserve a better internet. This is what we need. It was, it, it was reminiscent of the like, the 1984 like Apple video where it's like they throw yeah. it on the screen. It was it, 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 like had that impact on me. Um, but there's something you said about digital culture, and I want I want to I want to touch on this for a second because I've been thinking through. When you look at social media, it's promised as like a way to connect with people. Like you can talk to your grandma. It makes yeah. tools that makes it easier to connect. The problem is that the tools are being used not optimally, and so people are not. We're, it's easier to connect, but we're not connecting using these tools at like a deeper level. So this is weird. There's this weird con- disconnect between ability to connect and feeling connected when it comes to social media. And I'm wondering, I feel like there's something there in Web three where we have the ownership piece and tokenization, and that's interesting for being able to own a, a piece of a community. But it seems like there's also this dance of because everything is financialized, everything becomes transactional. And so we haven't grown past that yet to blend those as a community. And it's too focused on the money part and not the culture part. So I'm just curious because you've you've thought about this. I'm curious of your take on the idea. No, it's good. So let me give you. So in my study, I, so the first digital community was actually from the Netherlands and it's called the digital stat and they have more than a hundred thousand people in it. They just go online on this online forum. And they tried to just communicate with others because they felt like they belong and they had, they all had these little avatars, but the biggest problem that they had back then was how do we monetize the community, you know, and the servers were getting expensive. It was like in the early nineties, you know, dot com and they, they couldn't figure it out, you know, but then you've fast forwarded 2023. Now you all have these communities that actually race through tokens, you know, even before they had a hundred thousand community members, they even need less. Probably the most famous collections have like a thousand people that owns, you know, 10,000, this 10,000 PFPs, right? But then there's a mismatch when it comes to alignment. So back then you already have the product market fit, hundred K people interacting with each other on a community platform. That's great signal for product market fit. The difference now is I think the incentives came too early. So you look at this, people raise fuck a ton of money. <laughs> There's no product market fit. And I'm going to be honest, I think that's like one of the biggest mistakes of this space. And we see it more and more now. But I think now you and I, even with investors, are getting more sophisticated. If they see a BS, they see it as a BS, right? <laughs> but before, it was like crypto casino of the Wild West, raise money, create this, create that. But then by the end of the day, you can't sustain that in the long run because everything is built on quicksand. And there's a misalignment when it comes to it, Santa. So on that topic, then, I mean, we'll get to Ryder, I promise. But this is so interesting to me. Um, the so the current the current accepted kind of like vernacular is how good a community is doing. Say for an NFT project, is floor price. So it's like if if the Mad Lads flip the gods, then Mad Lads is something to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. which seems like a very improper metric to use for a proxy yeah. for a, an engaged community. So what, yeah. what, like, what's a better metric? Like if, if we're using that because it's tangible, is it because it's hard to measure that this is so difficult or what would you track if you're like, you're looking for a pulse of a community? Yeah, I think 
more traditional, right? I think if you look at organizations in the past, they're actually, for example, okay, let's go back to, I think history is always good as a reference, right? Like how does organizations or clubhouse actually make money and become sustainable, right? So for them, it's all about having that healthy kind of revenue through memberships, you know, inviting more people in, and then they just have a really good, healthy revenue when the new minus other expenses, they're good as a business. And I think that's what should those NFT communities do as well, right? Like you raise tons of money. Now you think of ways, okay, how can we actually maximize the revenue from this money that we raise in order to actually be sustainable in the 10 year long price so that we can actually execute all the things that we want to execute. By the end of the day, you made an NFT project because you want to do something. Unless you made it for the same reason, oh, we want to be like, you know, the highest floor price, which I think maybe it's a good mission for other people, but not for, I don't think it's for you. I don't think it's for me. We went to crypto for the main reason that, you know, you see this opportunity that you want to fix in society. And that's why we went on the space, right? Because you felt like, oh, we could actually change something. Yep. Totally agree. Okay. And let's, let's step back into the conception of writer. So mm-hmm. I, I want I want to be placed in, you've been working at the foundation for a few years, you know, you're, you're growing that, Stacks is doing well, mm-hmm. and you're starting to get the inklings of like, I want to do something else. Yeah. You've, you've met some, you've met some talented engineers. Marvin is mm-hmm. one of them. You're mm-hmm. the CTO. But the natural thing that people do is go into software because software is easier. Like code, code is easier to ship and you guys go the harder route of, of doing a hardware wallet. So, Talk to me about the early days of like making that decision and like what went into like it, did you seeing that gap in the market? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just always curious, right? I think for me, what excites me the most in life is, you know, life is all about you do things that you haven't done before, right? And then you're always forever learning. And for me, if I'm going to do hardware, that means I haven't done it. You know, there's like a room for me to grow. I want to learn more about the e-commerce thing. You know, how do you actually make products from concept all the way to mass production? That's something that I haven't done. I don't want to move to like a different protocol and do the same thing. It's not for me. But then I was just very lucky because then Marvin came up with the idea. So when it was block stack back then, he can actually see the private keys on the browser. And it's like, yeah, I can see this private keys and privacy is everything. Once you take it, you lose everything, right? From you and uh, yeah. And then that's how we met. He told me, oh, do you want to do this thing with me? I'm like, yo, like you said, I'm in a very comfortable position. You know, I worked so hard to get here and then I'm going to leave now. I don't think it makes sense. I can't risk it. So I told him, uh, maybe just come back to me in like, you know, a few weeks. If you have a prototype that I'm more than happy to take a look at it because he wanted to do it with me somehow. And then he came back a few weeks. <laughs> this guy is real, you know. And from then on, we haven't even met actually. We, I thought, like, okay, I have some guys we could, I can actually help incorporate the company in Singapore. So then, uh, yeah, we incorporated it. And that was the beginning. And then it was more so like a sidekick because I think the last thing that you want to do as founders is to just try to make the end meets, right? And I always tell Marvin, I think for me, you know, let's figure this out, work on it slowly, you know, just like try to understand it from the whole concept rather than just jumping right straight through. Most of the last thing that I want is for us to be struggling 
So we spent one year to just like doing pure R and D. And then by mm-hmm. the time that we were ready, we're like, okay, we're ready. And that's when we jump in full time. Love it. Love it. So the, the, the catalyst was private key management. I'm assuming this was focused on stacks specifically initially, or that yeah. was like yeah. trying to make stacks more secure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he was. He, he can see the. He wrote the blog about it, and you, you guys can search it. And just like exporting private keys in the blog stack browser. It's Got very it. Bad, so if you think about it now, it's very bad. <laughs> well, I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm intrigued now because the, the if you have that end goal, like private key management's not where it should be, you could end up somewhere like a cold card, which you know they have like this calculator type thing that's super secure. Um, and it solves the job, but yeah. Ryder ends up somewhere much closer to, you know, you're wading into much more difficult uh, problems of like mm-hmm. usability, UX, yeah. you know, who, who's the end user. So like what, once you have this target of like trying to make things secure and you, you can hold your wallet, it, it grew from that, it seems. So like what what's that path look like of how the idea evolved over time? Yeah, so you have the basic idea of, okay, decentralized identity, right? And then self-sovereign identity, that was always the pitch for us. So if you look at Rudder in the beginning, I think the pitch was so unsexy. We're like, yeah, it's a modular device for self-sovereign identity. <laughs> now I hear myself, I cringe, right? And I think that's what you do as an author, you just learn and learn and then iterate and iterate on the messaging. I don't think your first messaging is going to be like the last one. Even up until now, we're trying to make it better every day. But now we pitch it. It's like the first hardware wallet that combines security, simple setup, and easy recovery. Now that's something that people in the space would understand. But then if um, you go back to like the real world, it's like a different kind of messaging again to, to our mob, right? For for me, I think the catalyst was, okay, I've been at the particle level for four years. Marvin has been there since 2014, 2013. He worked on various projects like OpenSea, you know, taking it to multi-chain with like Latin and Polygon. But the biggest question that I had is, okay, stacks at the bull run was $3 billion, right? But then for me, I couldn't grasp it that, okay, you have this central land, you have stacks, you have all these protocols, but none of them has a million user. Not, not. And all of the market caps were ridiculous. Like it didn't make sense for me, right? But then for me, I went to the space because of a few things. The ideals, you know, decentralization, sovereignty, you know, those, are, I believe it's so much permissionless. But then why is it so difficult for my friends and family, our family to just like jump into Web3? Why? I don't get it, you know? So for us... Mm-hmm. It was always a combination of, okay, you want to do software, that means it was always going to be hardware, be your own bank. Like you can't breach decentralized and you don't have a full stack of decentralized economy from like software to hardware. Then the next thing is, um, okay, user experience, hardware plus software. That's like how we came with a thesis. You know, we need better onboarding when it comes to self custody. I love it. I love it. I love the idea of thinking from the first principles, especially from the end user. Because yeah. um, it's something I'm trying to think about a lot lately of like, especially as an investor, you need to see where the puck is going. And there's this narrative that Bitcoin's going to go through this journey of money of store value to medium of exchange to unit of account. And 
it seems like it's going to do that. That's how money progresses. But the thing that people keep missing in my mind is that store value is, it, it's the first step for sure. But most people don't save money. Like they're just, they live paycheck to paycheck globally. And so the idea of storing your wealth is not something on their radar. It's, it's almost by definition for like the upper echelon of people that are like doing better financially. So under that rubric, like how do you, how do you attract them to hold Bitcoin? I don't know. It's a big open question. Like you have to make it effortless. You have to make it easy to go from asset to asset so they can go from stables to, to Bitcoin and they can choose what risk profile they want to sit in. Like I want to hold my dollars and have my bank account stay exactly what it is, or I want upside. Um, but even from a wallet perspective, like the seed phrase is that it's a big invention over the private key, but it's nowhere near good enough to adopt, you know, the first million and the next billion. Um, so like talk to me about the seed phrase because in the Bitcoin community, it's like the gold standard. It's like you hold these 12 or 24 words and you have everything you need to say, it. screw the government, fuck off, you know, this is mine. But you guys have gone something different and like you never see the seed phrase if you don't, if you don't want to and you're yeah. still secure. So yeah, talk to us about that. I think seed phrase is like a magical thing, right? So I think it did what it had to do, but then the question is, can the next, you know, hundred million user do seed phrase? I don't think so. You know, we can debate on it, but uh, I don't think so. Like that's like my honest take on it. So for us, it was always, okay, let's interview various people in their customer journey and just like try to understand, let's go back to the drawing board. What are the actual problems that they're struggling with? And it was always user onboarding. You know, I've heard, so we interviewed like around 54 people and then with these 54 people, they tried to tell them, okay, yeah, you know, I know Harbor wallets, I know self-custody, but I never really get into it because it's just time to show me, you know? And then the other one was like, why do I even have to write that 24 words? You already lost me. You know, that's so, and this pattern is just reoccurring. I even have friends that, um, they bought hardware wallets, but they never installed it. I did the same, actually. I bought hardware wallets way before. I just bought it because I think, oh, I need to secure it. But I never installed it because it was just, I don't know. There's something about it that's too intimidating and too difficult. Mm. And for us, okay, we have a really good skill set here. What if we solve all of these problems? And that's what we try to do with Rider. We went on like the user journey and just like, okay, what is the best solution that we can do with it? And for us, it got a bit inspired by Apple Pay, right? And then also design decision. In terms of design decision, if you look at Rider, 100% portless, no Wi-Fi, no Bluetooth. So that means there's no block box. And when you have simplicity in architecture like Bitcoin, you have security, right? So, and for us, it's just NFC. LED screen, secure element, MCU, that's it. And then the next thing is, okay, now that you have this kind of near full communication, if you look at it, Apple Pay has like one of the biggest adoption when it comes to technology in general, it's because you have the kind of like frictionless experience. What if you can bring the same frictionless experience to Web3? You know, something that users are already familiar with the kind of environment. Vitalik brought a really good and what do you call this blog about it? And I always, always refer to it. He always say, 
wallets will succeed based on three criteria. You try to remove the single point of failure. And the single point of failure is always seed phrases. Mm-hmm. You know? And then the next one is he said, okay, the second criteria is low mental head effort. Like I shouldn't put so much mental head effort to create a wallet. That's never going to happen. You know, you can't expect people to just do that. And then the third thing that he said is maximum ease of transaction. How can you bring the same backing experience to a wallet? It's interesting with the seed phrases too, because like holding one seed phrase is like pretty, it's straightforward. You just write your words down. But every time you go to a new ecosystem, you have to hold a new seed phrase. And so like for me, just to just to maintain coverage across Bitcoin, I have like seven seed phrases for like rootstock and for stacks and for uh, what it's like, it becomes a burden where I'm like, I hope I have all seven. Uh, I hope they're okay. Um, but yeah, put this all together. Like we've danced around a bunch of different topics, but lay out like what is Rider? So Rider is a hardware wallet that combines security, simple setup and easy recovery. So we actually do this by cryptographically securely leaving your wallet into multiple pieces. So for example, you need your Rider one. It splits the wallet pieces to the recovery tag and then the mobile application and optionally your social circle. And by using our own weighted implementation of Shamir, you can actually have various ways to recover your asset. So for example, the threshold is four, your mobile application count as two and the recovery tag act as two. Now you need at least four to recover your asset. So that means the recovery tag mobile application can come and your social circle count as one. So meaning four of your social circle could actually recover your asset into a new writer wall. So that's kind of how it works. Got it. Okay, hold on. You you, you covered that too quickly. I oh, didn't fully God. grasp it. So so I, I want to make sure people know that okay. peop, because people know seed phrases well and they understand single point of failure. And so they're, yeah. they're, they're by definition saying, I trust myself. Maybe they shouldn't. That's a bigger topic. Yeah. Um, so what you guys are doing with this weighted Shamir secret sharing, and it seems like it's moving into either you're, you're, you're bringing in some level of trust, whether it's social trust or mm-hmm. some other third party. I just want to make sure that's really clear. So like, help me understand yeah. the pieces that move here, whether it's, whether it's storing my seed phrase on iCloud or the NFC tag thing or my friends, like, Help, help me break down the pieces here so I understand it clearly. Yeah, so instead of using the C phrase, we cryptographically split the wallet pieces into what we call recovery tag. And this recovery tag are NFC battery-free tags that are ultra-resistant to dozen water and can retain data at 25 years. And then the next one is we put one of the pieces on your phone, right? So all of these three things work together and we call that tap safe recovery to recover your asset. Now, security is different for everyone. It's different for you. It's different for me. It's different for Marvin. Right? It's definitely different from the Maxis. The Maxis only like, <laughs> they trust themselves, you know? Yeah. So, But for me, I'm a normal user and I trust my parents. Like my mom, for example, I, she has three of my seed phrases, you know? And I just keep it in LA because she lives in LA and then I have one with my best friend. And I have one in Asset. It's just like all over scattered. So for me, okay, 
what can I do to actually make it easier for people like me? That's normal. I'm not saying that Maxis are normal. So for us, that's why we <laughs> created a social circle. Because then imagine if my mom could just install the mobile application. And then by simply tapping my writer to her phone, I could give her a backup. That's something that normal people would do. And that's something that we want to bring to the space. But then for example, a guy like Marvin, he wants all his trusted devices. So what Marvin can do is he can create as many backups as he wants by buying more recovery tags. And he can, as much as he wants, hard it either, you know, to, to actually back up his router. Got it. Okay. So, so there's a three part kind of like triangle here. You have the router device, which is like the, the home base of everything. And then yeah. you have a smartphone wallet and I'm assuming you guys support uh, iPhone and Android, so that you have full, full coverage there? Yeah, an NFC-compatible device. So as long as you have an NFC device on your phone, it's it's there. Got it. Okay. And then the third piece is the the uh, recovery tag. Yeah. And those 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 together uh, allow you to split up your pieces or shards of your secret key. This is mainly... Well, this is mainly for um, recovery, though, right? Like... When you, when it comes to spending, does this change at all? Like, do you just need the writer and the phone when yeah, you're spending? Yeah, you the writer because then your private keys never leaves the device, right? It's just on the secure element. So your writer one, okay, remove your backups now. You you just need your writer, right? But then in the future, we have it on our own, like code smart wallet, but it's still far ahead, right? But then we can think of ways. Okay, how do you invest a smart wallet? Do you bring your writer or do you use the mobile application? Maybe a good way is because people already have their mobile app, writer app. You can use your writer to just like put the limit. Okay, I want to put like a 5K limit on my writer wallet on my phone. Boom. Then you can use this as a POS to actually pay with crypto. And, you know, and in a shop, for example. I think there will also maybe other scenario where you use your hardware wallet to do XYZ. You know, but I think it's too early to tell. But then we have various thesis for it. Got it. Okay. I love it. That's that's super interesting. So for the, like, who's the ideal customer here? Because if, if, if I look at, like, the landscape of hardware wallets or seed phrase management, I guess is one way to look at it, too, is, like, yeah. you got people stamping their seed phrase on metal and, like, burying it in a bunker. And that's, like, the... Ex- that's the extreme Fort Knox, you know, maxi version. Yeah. And no one, yeah. no, one, no one in the right mind is doing that unless yeah. you're storing, you know, micro, Michael Saylor money. And then on the opposite spectrum, you have like maybe a hot browser wallet or something. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a big spectrum in the middle. So like, yeah, where does what where do you see Ryder on those spectrums? And like, who is the ideal customer that should would benefit a lot from like getting a Ryder one? Yeah. So for us, we have like a long term target market, right? I think if I onboarded my mom and she's doing self custody, my mission at Ryder done. But then yeah. the question is, okay, short customer persona GTM strategy is let's let's for example we have Jacob Jacob is actually concerned about the security of his digital asset he finds traditional hardware wallet very difficult to use third he Jacob wants a more intuitive and user-friendly way to manage his digital asset because he finds the current one more, more complex so that's kind of like the customer profile of who we are targeting for writer in the beginning at the moment so yeah. Okay. Very, very cool. Very cool. And then when it comes to um, supported blockchains, like, you know, for the 
everyone has their thesis. Some people yeah. are ETH. Some people, everyone is becoming sold now. Yeah. Obviously, this podcast is very Bitcoin focused, but even in Bitcoin, like because it's so fragmented, like L one is usually usually supported. Mm-hmm. You guys will probably support stacks given your background, but then beyond that, like rootstock, liquid, lightning, like yeah. they, these these branch out pretty quickly. So, you know. What do you support currently, and like what what's kind of your roadmap, or how you see the the expansion plan for that? So fun! I got this question twice, three times, I think today. And so, in terms of you know, I work in this space for so long. I think some of the projects are here to stay, some aren't, right? And now it's all about okay, chain sequencing. If you as a company, which chain do you prioritize? I think the biggest ones are always there. I'm a multi-chain guy, you know it. I love this particular phrase from Marvid because he said, oh, we should build bridges and not islands. I think some of the people in the space, they're very territorial. If you're like Solana, full-blown Solana, if you're Ethereum, full-blown Ethereum. But then I go back to my study again, right? I think that's one of the things that crypto tries to prevent. But at the end of the day, I think the mission was always you can easily exit this protocol and go to another protocol and that's like the vision of crypto like you have so many choices and for us it was always okay now we prioritize we support bitcoin <laughs> how to say it here and then we also announced support for solana polygon ethereum at the beginning and then from then on it's all about okay which protocol has the best community you know the community wants to get integrated and then we take it from there but we support the biggest L ones that you can think of at, at upon launch. Got it. I mean that that definitely makes sense from like an adoption uh, yeah. curve. Just going with, going where the users are. You didn't mention stacks on there. Is that just a given, or do you guys have stacks on the roadmap? It's somewhere in the roadmap. I guess one thing we didn't touch on because we we talked a lot about like secret key, like key management, UX, um, which you guys are really like blazing a new trail on. Like people. There'll be links below. People should definitely watch how this works because it's so much easier than what people are used to. So you have to kind of see it to really grok the idea. But the other one is that you actually have a really good looking device with a nice screen, which brings in this other component of digital art, NFTs, collectors. Um, It can almost take the place of like an Apple Watch I could see people having where it's like it becomes like a social status thing. so talk to me about that piece, which is like, you know, the screen is not just functional for typing in things. It can display yeah. things. Uh, so go into that a little bit. Yeah, because, um, okay, let's let's break it down. So for a device, we did over 50, ra- 50 iterations on it, right? So if you can see closely, so this one is um, polycarbonate, and then you have the aluminum back here. So then for us, okay, how do you actually combine security and usability when it comes to the materials that you chose for a device? And usability is about soft, right? It's supposed to be something more, what do you call this, approachable. So you can't use something like heavy metal on it. So for us, okay, it's like a polycarbonate. You put this little lining on rider. And then, okay, how do you use cream straw, robust? You know, because those are the characteristics of Harbor Wallet. That's why we chose... um, aluminum on it so now you combine both and then you have what writer stands for which is combining the two most sort of feature in the space which is usability and security then in terms of the screen as well because okay there's no hardware wallet out there that does like a full oled display but of course it's, it becomes like design decision 
some of them didn't do it because of X, right? So for us, we wanted to do it because we we saw this burst in like the NFT community, you know, and then you can actually predict, okay, crypto consumers in like the next three to five years, we're going to bet on that they would want to use their NFTs to flex. You know, that's what we want for like an OLED display. Very cool. I, I love it. You're covering covering all the bases where people can use it however they see fit. If they want to flex, they can flex. If they want to keep it secure, they keep it secure. If you want to make it easy to use, you got that that covered. Um, so you're yeah, crossing a lot of the boxes. Um, so for people that are hearing this then, like they're intrigued, they want to try a different wallet. Like if they want to get involved and like pick up one, where can they get one? How much is it? Is it currently live? Like drop the date. Yeah. Yeah, so we're live on Kickstarter. You can ultra pre-order writer now on Kickstarter. And then we're going to ship on April. So that's like kind of the TLDR for writer. Perfect. Okay. Well, man, we, we covered uh, an absolute S-ton. I'm, I'm super excited about what you guys are building. Uh, yeah. I guess a couple of just like more broad questions like to, to bring this home. What... And this could be a broad, like across the entire ecosystem or just in your general life. Like, what are you most excited about right now? And it could be with Ryder. It could be in the space overall. Uh, you know, what are you stoked about right now? Super stoked. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think so. So with you and I, okay, I'm going to stick to crypto. You and I have been in crypto space for so long. But I think the narrative is shifting. The protocols are being more friendly. You can see protocols are like trying to work together you know tribalism is like kind of becoming dead and then i love the shift in narrative as well when it comes to bitcoin it's usually you all have these big people that's just like scream so loud on bitcoin and they have a certain thesis for it and like bro you know <laughs> where do you live and that now it's just like i think it's coming back there i think for me the change in the space when Usually in the bear market, it's like, oh, maybe crypto is not for me, you know, but the builders are here to stay. You see a lot of innovation. And for me, that's what I like the most, because now I think you're going to see in the next three to five years, okay, which are the companies in this bear market actually like, you know, took a home run for it because they were there to build, they stayed and, you know, they fought through it. I guess the last broad question, is there anything, again, we covered a, a, a shit ton. Is there any topic that I didn't touch on um, that you want to shed some light on and discuss? Mm, not really. I think everything was like pretty clear. We, you know, I think next time it will be nice to jump on like the design decision with like the other co-founder yeah. or like even Julian because they put a lot of effort on it. I think having them to go on stage and talk about, you know, hardware startups, how to do reset, what are like the common risks because it's not really the thing that's being shown in Web3. Like, you know, what's Web3 hardware startup? It's, there's a few out there. So I think it's time that we make it more accessible so people know what, how to navigate the situation. That's a, no, that's a really good point. Cause like, yeah, at the Bitcoin Frontier Fund, which like you guys were a part of in cohort two, yeah. um, you know, we try and give like, help people put them on game around like how to fundraise or like some of the common pitfalls of startup. But you don't see anything when it comes to like hardware yeah, especially in the Web three space, it's just a black box, and you're just like, oh, here's the Solana phone, and here's Ryder, and like, there's ten companies doing this, and no one's talking about like inside baseball for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I agree that would be that would be super interesting. Well, fantastic, Lewis. This has been great. Real quick, you drop us, 
drop drop us the obligatory links um for people that want to follow you follow Ryder, all that okay cool so you guys can look at me at like and twitter lewis ivan bp and if you want to check out writer slash writer.id that's it perfect well, well uh, i almost called you writer lewis thank you uh, for coming on branding. yeah i know it, it's just we're fused together you know um yeah this has been, this has been fantastic i'm i'm super excited about a writer i'm i'm a backer i'm excited to get my oh, thank you uh, thank and, you but yeah thank you for coming on the show man. this has been great cheers man thank you thank you for listening this far into the episode if you found it enjoyable please do like subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening on youtube does me a huge favor to like and subscribe find me on twitter at jake blockchain show me some love i replied to every dm and if you are a bitcoin builder that is kind of at this forefront of building new use cases whether it's l1 lightning stacks rootstock rollups ordinals brc20 uh i want to talk to you so when i'm not doing this podcast i am the sourcing partner at the bitcoin frontier fund where we invest in Bitcoin startups at the earliest stages give you access to whatever you need, whether it's legal, product, fundraising help, as well as capital. So let me talk to you. You can hit me up again. Find me on Twitter at Jake Blockchain and uh, shoot me a DM. I'll, I'll read everything. Love to talk to you guys. All right. Peace. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things won't always go your way, but I'll be right.